jambalaya and justice, personality and pokeballs, lingua and love, the Help Yourself Podcast, where in every episode, Brian and Nick invite you to help yourself to bite-sized philosophy. Welcome to Help Yourself, Food and Philosophy with Brian and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Brian. You know, with all of our food talk, I believe we put the dish in tradition. What you eating, Brian? (laughs) That doesn't even... (laughs) I mean, I know there's a sound dish in there, but it threw me off, though, because it's technically not really the dish that you're thinking about. Anyway... It's one syllable in there. All right. I'm not going to nitpick your joke, even though I just if did. You can't take it, if you can't take it, <laughs> I like, don't dish like it I out. said, I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick your joke, even though I just did. Anyway, <laughs> That's what, am my job. <laughs> what am I it's eating? Nick pick. Nick yeah, pick. what am I eating? Nick Yeah, what are you eating? I asked you first. I know. All right. So today is going to be a little bit of a, a mystery, and I'll tell you why. So my daughter gets these boxes of food delivered that are food from foreign lands. So it's like odd flavors of Kit Kat bars and different flavors of chips that you can't get in America. You know, they're the American brands, but they're like a flavor that would be for that country. Like, you know, that people in that mm-hmm. country might like to eat that Americans might not be so partial to. Right. Right. Like, well, like wasabi flavored potato chips or something. Right. Just- exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Today, I took, I stole a couple of things. I actually asked permission, so I didn't really steal. I asked if I could take these from her box. So it was a ramen bowl, and I'm holding it up, and I'm, I'll put a picture of it on the notes, but it's a ramen bowl, and there's not one word of English on it. Wow. It has, it has numbers, and it has, like, the directions and, the, like, some pictures, but so I, I had see- to come. I see a J A S in a circle. J A S. Yeah. Oh, I, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So that that's might be. I I don't know what language this is, but I'm pretty sure that that might be something like with Japan. Like it might be Japanese something. That might be the company or something. I don't know. But right. so anyway, I don't know what flavor this was or supposed to be. I know all I know is when I opened it up, it was ramen noodles. And I, it had a little line inside there. So I filled it up to the line with hot water and just put a, I put a plate over the top of it to like steam it. And I was hoping like, well, hopefully this water will make these noodles soft. Cause I don't know what I'm doing here. And it did thankfully. So they had two packets of little things in there. Little one was the flavor packet. Yeah. What's that? Additives. Additives. Yeah. So one of them was the flavor packet that probably most people that have had ramen are familiar with. You know, you pour the water in and then dump the flavor packet in and stir it up. And then it had this other packet of interesting things. So it looked like it had mushrooms, little pieces of mush, dried mushrooms, little pieces of dried seaweed, and little pieces of dry. Well, actually, not pieces of dried anything. It's a. I'm going to hold this up, but I'm. I'll, I'll do a picture of this. But look at the look at the picture there. It has a little like pink flower. Uh huh. Oh so yeah. It, ha- it has these little pink flowers in there, and I don't even know what they're made out of. All I know is that they look nice in there. They didn't <laughs> taste like anything bad, so I don't know what I just ate. I'll, that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, I will say that it was very good. the The flavor was very. It had like a very floral uh, aroma to it, so I think that's what the flowers were. Like it was supposed to like. It, and it wasn't like a typical flavor like you would get in America of ramen, like, you know, chicken or beef or regular or whatever. It was it was something that was li- a lot lighter flavored. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like vegetarian or like vegan kind of thing. I'm just saying that because I want to go on a vegan adventure, I guess. But <laughs> well, I, was, I was about to say, we, I think we've just started a new segment or tradition, BMA. Right. You know, uh, wait, was it M? Brian's... Uh, not mangled adventures, but good grief. I totally lost it. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Mystery adventures? Mystery maybe? adventures. That yeah. That, that's not what it was in my head, but now, now I'm baffled. But Well, yeah, so anyway, 
I, I ate this and it was, I mean, it was really good. I will say that the brand name is the, it says Nissen. So that's a brand name that is, that's the same brand that they do ramen here in America. But, uh, but the flavor was really good. I, it was like a, like I said, it had a real floral aspect to it. Like it was a, I can't, I can't even describe like a cup, almost like tea, you know, like if you have herbal tea and it has that real, like some sort of floral <laughs> scent to it, it had that. And it didn't taste like that, but it smelled a little perfumey, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, that was my adventure. I don't know how many calories or anything, so I'm not going to read the label uh, because, which is what I normally do, <laughs> or should I say what I, what I traditionally do? Uh, I uh, <laughs> so I don't know how many calories is in this. I don't know how much sodium. I don't know anything about it. All I know is it was tasted pretty good. So. That's what I ate. Oh, and then for dessert, I had these things called Heavenly Hunks. They're oh. I got them at uh, I got them at um, Costco, and it's basically like coconut oh, and chocolate chips. It's it's oat. What's well, oats? So the the number one thing is it's like oatmeal. You know, like basically they have that, and then they have dark chocolate chips in there, brown rice mm-hmm. syrup. You know, other things like that, but. They're like for one little one inch square, uh, it's about 110 calories. So it's like, it's a treat that you don't want to like eat the whole bag of them because it's super calorie dense food, right? But then why did you bring the whole bag with? <laughs> well, it I just did that so I could show you the bag. The ba- bag usually oh. sits over across my office away from me. So I can't like put my hand in it all day long. But gotcha. anyway, Heavenly Hunks, really, really good. They're gluten free. Um, I don't know if they're vegan or anything else, which I always like to talk about, but it does say, oh, they are certified vegan. Yeah. Certified vegan. They're organic and they're gluten-free. So I didn't know you could put all three in one. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can do a lot of modern technology, man. You know? (laughs) Oh yeah. All right. Moving on to, uh, a, what I, what I'll call a, uh, a tradition, although it's not a tradition, it's sort of a custom, I guess, is BBC, mm-hmm. Brian's Beverage Corner, right? So I got yes. a couple of interesting things here. I've got thing that I don't know what the brand name of this is, but it's just 100% coconut water. And huh. ironically, I didn't realize this because I bought this at the supermarket here. It says it's a product of Vietnam. So, uh, so I've had... Uh, I guess Japanese and Vietnamese something <laughs> for my lunch. Uh, and so this just says ingredients, hundred percent pure coconut water. That's it. There's nothing else. It's 70 calories for the can and uh, low sodium, uh, about 99 milligrams of sodium, but it does have some sugar in it because it's just like drinking a can of any other kind of juice from a fruit. Right. Um, yeah. It's really, really good, but I do not know what the brand name is this because literally on the can, it just says pure coconut water, 100 and that's it. And it says maybe, never maybe from concentrate. The name, maybe the name of the product is 100. Well, the back of it says produced for 100 coconuts, LLC. So maybe it's 100, 100 coconuts, coconut. pure coconut water. So the, and then the other drink besides uh, something else that I'll show is I, I never drink Coke. But this is Coke infused with coffee. And cool. it is a, it's vanilla. Uh, it's a vanilla flavored and it's Coca-Cola with coffee. And for one can, it's 70 calories. So it's, you know, it's, it's like drinking a Coke, basically, I would think. But uh, actually, I think that's probably a little bit less because I think a, a whole 12 ounce can of Coke is like 130 or 140 calories. So it might be a little bit less since they sort of cut it with coffee, which doesn't have any calories in it. Right. Um, but I'll tell you this. So it tastes pretty good, but it tastes sort of like a vanilla Coke to me. It doesn't taste like, it tastes like, um, it has a little bit of a coffee flavor to it, but I have Mm -hmm. to really, you have to really like sort of close your eyes and think about it. Like, Oh, this has coffee in it. And then you sort of get a slight, slight aftertaste of coffee. So I guess that's probably what they wanted. But uh, but it's not super strong coffee flavor. So if you like Coke and you want to cut your calories a little bit, maybe then maybe you switch to Coke with coffee in it. If you like Coke and you like coffee, I should say, maybe you switch to this because it at least cuts your calories in half for drinking the can. It still has sugar in it and everything else, just like Coke does. But if you're 
if you're trying to just look for something that's slightly better, I would think maybe this is slightly better than drinking a full, full fledged Coke, right? Out of a can. Yeah, that, that, that product has been out for a couple of years now and I only recently had my first one ever as well. Yeah. It was what a buy one, get one. Yeah, it was, it was a buy one, get one at the local grocery store. And yeah. I, like you, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was one, it was both, it was at once hard to put down and hard to appreciate. Yes. Like, it, it wasn't phenomenal, but I could somehow sense that it was going to be habit forming. <laughs> like I made yeah. a point to not get it anymore because it just, it wasn't all that great, but I knew that if I got more, I would get more and more and more and more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if that makes any sense. So it's, it's addictive, but not awesome. Yeah, and I, yeah. Guess a di- I never thought there was a difference until I had <laughs> coffee flavored vanilla Coke. Yeah, but it was good. It was smooth. Like one of the reasons I avoided it was because I figured it would be like this ugly balance of, you know, sweet, acidic, and bitterness. You yeah, know, like it'd be all the worst parts of Coke and coffee put together, but they somehow managed to balance it out so that. It's an appropriate mix of each. and Yes. Well, and I, I rarely I drink soda, but like I, I would I would have that again, like for a treat, like again, for a treat, though, like it wouldn't be. Yeah, I wouldn't go stock my refrigerator with it, but it tastes good, especially this. I did choose to get the vanilla flavored, and I think that maybe mm-hmm. added a little bit to it because I like typically will like to if I drink coffee, I like that vanilla flavor in a coffee drink. And, yeah. uh, you know, I would. I would say I had a hard time telling the difference between the vanilla flavor and the coffee flavor. Okay. That's what I did was, you know, when I got to buy one, get one, I was like, well, I'll just get one of each flavor. Um, oh, actually, was it a caramel, 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 whatever? Uh-huh. It's a vague memory now, but I remember there being very little difference between the two, but I yeah. preferred the vanilla over the other. Oh, got it. Okay. My recollection. Well, I don't have any basis for comparison, but I, I, like I said, I would have this again. And, uh, I, I will say, I'll say that, um, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it would be a treat or whatever, but, uh, but it's, it's a, it was so, sort of refreshing. Um, and, uh, like you said, they took sort of the best parts. I thought, I thought the same thing you thought. I thought they were going to be like, oh, great. It's going to taste like, you know, sweet and bitter, you know, like it's going to be super sweet. Cause Coke to me is really, really sweet. Cause I don't drink soda that much or at least, you know, full fledged soda, very, very, uh, very few, like, you know, maybe have one or two in a year and, uh, then add coffee to it. And you're like, okay, so super, super sugary, sweet and syrupy, and then add bitter black coffee to it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. And it's, it's better than, thankfully it's better than I thought it was going to be. So, so that's good. And then my only other thing is I've got, uh, my shaker bottle with, some leftover energy drink slash water, uh, that's diluted that I've been diluted, diluting throughout the day, drinking water. So, so that's where I'm at. What do you eat? Homeo- so it's like a homeopathic energy drink. Yeah. It's, it's the energy drink that lasts the whole day. Cause it's like, I, I drink it down to about a quarter full and then I fill it up and then it just keeps getting less and less flavor throughout the whole day. And my goal is that right. if I, by the end of the day, if I, if I can barely taste it, then I know that I've had quite a bit of water that day because I've filled that up enough that it's diluted it so far down that it's sort of a way of keeping track of how much water I'm drinking. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's a sort of a side benefit there that you're reducing your caffeine intake as you conclude, get closer to the conclusion of the day, right? So you're right. not like, you know, you need a caffeine hit or you need an energy boost in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, you can still get that, but it's not so much that you're going to have trouble going to sleep. Right. In right. theory. In theory. You you tell me whether that's working or not. I, in I theory. I don't want you to sleep anymore. <laughs> anymore. Oh, geez. <laughs> Terrible mental picture. All right. So what are you I've eating? I've never watched you sleep. On I, your lunch. I think Dory has this uh, secret... I don't know, desire to see how much I can take when it comes to spicy food. That's funny. <laughs> she, gets, she gets a little <laughs> diabolical 
it's like, man, I can't believe you could handle that much red pepper and cayenne. I'll just throw a little more in there next time. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and this time she prepared two. I'm not sure what the distinction was. I, I know she made chicken for me. And I think one half of it was half of the set of chicken was baked and half of the set of chicken was fried. Okay. Uh, it's a different take on another thing she did somewhat recently where she took the whole thing of chicken, a whole amount of chicken, right? And like half baked it and then half fried it. Okay. And served it that way. So it was fully cooked, but it, yeah, it was just really, really interesting. It was like juicy and crispy. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but this time there was that experiment and I, I couldn't quite tell the difference. And for all I know, maybe I just grabbed all, all baked or all fried. Yeah. It was really good though. There was, Red pepper flakes in there. There was, um, I'm not sure about cayenne, definitely salt and pepper. It was really good. I ate it cold because I'm lazy <laughs> and it was still delicious. And she also steamed some vegetables for me in advance. So then by that time it was cold. By the time I was ready to eat, it was cold and I ate it cold. Uh, but there, it was sliced carrots and peppers and onions and mushrooms. Um, and it was definitely had like salt and pepper and other spices she added. That's awesome. Taste. It was really good. I'll probably get some seconds before we're done recording. We'll see. It's amazing. It's amazing. Just salt and pepper on veggies, like just cooked, you know, the right way. It doesn't take much to, you know, I know there are some people who don't like vegetables at all, but like just a little bit of that. And that, that half baking, half frying thing sounded interesting to me. Like, so she baked it till it was cooked. And then I would assume she like basically like did a real quick fry on it to give it a crispy, you know, instead of it being like a baked chicken breast or something like that, did a quick fry to get it all mm -hmm. crispy. So it's like fried, but it's not like sitting in the oil or, you know, doing anything like that. So. Yeah, I think it, it might've been the other way. Just oh. because it, the, you know, half then the other half, it, it was this weird kind of sogginess that it makes me think that the the frying was done first and then it, oh got it it's okay sat in its oil and baked that way so it was well and also you didn't heat, like you didn't heat it up fried. yeah no yeah I ate it I ate it heated um like fresh heated as well as leftovers and they were okay. both kind of a similar consistency. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really good. And then, um, are you uh, are you drinking your normal drink? I have home brewed iced coffee. Nice. Somewhere I have some water that I'll need to fetch. Might be a okay. pail. I'm not sure. <laughs> so you've been yeah. doing the home home ice brew, uh, like home whatever iced uh, cold brew coffee at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. There's, there's this device that. It'll brew coffee in three minutes. It's one of those, I don't know, this this is what, like a, probably a 24-ounce cup? Yeah, it's big. Yeah. You know? But you, you know, you fill that cup with ice. Yeah. To the line, and then um, you start the brewing process, and it brews and pours into that cup full of ice and melts it just enough so it's not too watered yeah. down, and but still cold. And yeah, just takes three minutes. Five to count like the scooping and the collecting of water and the collecting of ice. Right, right. The actual brewing mm -hmm. process. Yeah, the brewing process is only three minutes. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, but that said, I, I will be receiving a nitro cold brew later today, as well as a cake pop from Starbucks. <laughs> so it's <laughs> only a so, small comfort as far so as more coffee. Book. More coffee. Yes. <laughs> can't you tell i'm so high energy this is where it comes from yeah yeah well also you stay up till like three in the morning too you know well the world's not gonna do itself <laughs> <laughs> you're like 1201 wordle wordle <laughs> it just reset the, the servers just reset we got to do wordle <laughs> yeah i need to I need a split test because I th I have the suspicion that I perform better though after I've slept. Oh, got <laughs> I, it. Yeah, I, I seem to have. I seem to need 
five and six guesses more often if I try to play between midnight yeah. and three a.m. than if I have gone to bed at a decent hour, woke up, and you know. Well, you don't don't bring up don't bring up the sore subject of Wordle because I broke my streak like three days ago, and I'm still really still really respect hurt. You. <laughs> <laughs> so and, terrible. As a woodsmith, I I can't empathize very much because I've yet. To- break my streak yeah well i got good i mean i got that was my i broke the streak on the 60th puzzle so i was i mean i was deep pretty deep into it you know yeah. without breaking that streak but but uh, now i have a 98 percent win streak <laughs> or win rate yeah win rate yeah and and my streak is well i haven't done the one wordle for today but anyway i'm sure i'll be fine well, speaking of running in the nude in public uh, and streaking streaking like that it kind of touches on our topic yeah kind of you know kind of sort of things repeatedly over time I right guess. as a streak not as a as a don't break the streak not as a streak right. as in running out naked in public that yeah nobody should do that repeatedly we're not, over time. We're not encouraging you to go streaking <laughs> yeah but stick with your streak yeah and if you're trying to form a habit, just don't make a habit of streaking. Right. Man, it's so hard to talk about this. Why is it so hard? <laughs> we should have we shouldn't have the same word for two different things. These right. These yeah. homonyms are killing me. It's Not very really Well, and honestly, uh what we're and what you know what we're gonna be talking about. If you haven't already understood what we're gonna be talking about, we're gonna be talking about traditions today and why possibly why they're important or what they are and all things having to do with that and and why they're stupid and well, not too, you know, that's, well, many things that are neither good nor evil, they can be used for good or evil, or they can be used for smart and stupid. Well, and traditions it's it's, yeah, it's the, there's no connotation to a tradition. There's no negative or positive connotation. It's just something, maybe that's how we get into the definition here. Cause like what we found out Mm -hmm. is that a tradition is something that is done obviously done repetitively, but from, from Nick's somewhat research, mini research, he found out that it only becomes a tradition. Like I was about to say, it only becomes a tradition in the traditional sense. <laughs> Traditionally speaking, the tradition Traditionally is speaking, traditions tradition only become a tradition in, in the traditional sense. When, <laughs> uh, when, when it, when it goes on to, the next generation. So as an example, maybe you did something growing up with your family and then you have a family and you decide to do that same thing at that same time or do whatever that is, then it becomes Mm -hmm. a tradition. But until then it's just, it's just a thing that you're doing, right? Right. Or that's the traditional definition of tradition. Yes. Well, I think it's important though. The reason why I think it's important is because it does make a distinction between a habit, like a habit, technically mm-hmm. you could say like, well, I've been doing this habit for the last 20 years. Okay. Is that a tradition? Well, no, we're just, we're making a distinction between a habit or something that you're doing or something that even that you are doing with other people involved. But when does yeah, that become it- something more than just a habit? Right. It becomes a tradition when it's intergenerational. So it's like, right. I've heard a lot of, you know, the father figures in a family unit talk about starting a new tradition. And, you know, I, I'm not going to correct them. And I'm not even smirking to myself because this, this is semantics, right? But like, right. technically, they weren't starting a tradition. It's not a tradition until their son decides to instill it in their their own kids that it yeah. becomes a quote tradition now there are other definitions of tradition that i think apply you know there's even the idea of um like that fallacy what you know i love i'm I'm kind of a student of fallacies um, just because i'm so good at you know doing them myself but one of those is called appeal to tradition and it that's the the word the term that describes someone making the argument from well we've always done it that way yeah Right. And and that could be, you know, well, we've always done it that way for the past seven days straight, or we've always done it that way since I became a a member of this 
organization. So we're yeah. going to keep doing it that way. Well, and that's what it's but funny it's when you said that, because yeah. that was one of the first things I thought of is the most times that I've heard people say, we've always done it that way is when I've been working for some organization, a company or a, a firm or something else. So I hear people, you know, say, you know, you ask that, well, why are we doing it that way? Well, it's, I don't know. It's just, we always, always have done, done that way. We just have been doing it that way forever. So we just kept doing mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. And the reason it's a fallacy is because what, what's worked before isn't necessarily what works now. Right. Right. Like it, it's not a guarantee The it's not using logic. It's using a shortcut of thinking that says, well, if it's worked before, it probably works now. So let's yeah. stick with what works. Um, but generally speaking, if someone's making an argument for change, that's the very thing that is, is, uh, being thrown in their face is like, well, why do we change? We've always done it this way. Yeah. It's like, well, here, I've just told you why we should change. These are the reasons to change. This is the reason this idea is good. Yeah. yeah but we've always done it this way. I know that, but it has nothing to do with us doing something different. Sorry. No, I'm no. It's, I'm, I'm done no, no, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds like oddly specific for you, but. um. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a sore spot. It, it, I've got some bruises. <laughs> Oh, you're like, Hey, now that we're talking about this, actually, uh, <laughs> no, here's, here's I, I have a list of all the colleagues and <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But it can be, no, I mean, in that sense, it can be frustrating because, uh, and it, this is one of the things that actually we wanted to talk about with regard to traditions is, you know, one of the reasons you, that we keep doing things over and over, even throughout the years and throughout generations is just because, there's this underlying, like a little bit of a fear of change that's built into humans where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, we, no, we're doing it that way. Like, oh, no, 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 just we, I, like, I always, I always say, I'm, I don't want to say that I don't want to take credit for this because I've never read a quote about it. But what I always think about it like is that we as humans would rather take something that's terrible, but it's known, like we've been doing it that way, but we sort of know it's terrible, but at least we know about it than to change and to go into something that's unknown, even though that unknown could be way better than what we currently have or currently are doing in, in whatever way, whatever metric you're using. Uh, so, but we, we, as humans were, we were almost like hardwired to stay with the, uh, well, just, no, just, it's fine. It's fine. This is fine. We don't, we don't need to change anything. <laughs> you I, know? I think the cliche you're looking for is that the devil, you know, is, you know, is better than the devil. You don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. That's it's, yeah. And and you see it um uh, with abusive relationships, right? The, yes. Even even ones who leave, you know, get uncomfortable with all the independence, right? The the unknowns. They 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 knew how to navigate that abusive environment, yeah, at least somewhat, so that it was familiar. But now they have to form new habits. There's all kinds of just unknowns and unfamiliars. Right. And, and probably other things at play too, you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I yeah. know that this is a factor that plays into that behavior. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, there was something else that came to mind, but yeah, it's, right, so, yeah, it's an unfortunate side effect of not, you know, not wanting mm-hmm. to, not wanting to go into the unknown. It's like, sure. hey, you know what? It's like, well, at least I know what this is going to be. And in that case, it's a very abusive, even if you can look at it and say, this took a dark turn. Uh, even if you can look at this and say that, that it was, Hey, I know this is an abusive relationship, but I don't know what else I would do. Like, I don't know where I would live. I don't know what else, like all these things. And that's, you know, it's a psychological trick that your brain's playing on you. Like, you know, we could, we could take it a less dark and just talk about a situation where somebody hates their job. Like it may not even be a bad job. Yeah. There could be plenty of people who love that same job, but right. for them, it's a bad job. Um, it's not suited to them. They yeah. might still not leave, right? They might have 500 great self made entrepreneurial business ideas. Yeah. But it's unknown. It's uncertain. And they would prefer to stick with the stability of a paycheck. Yeah emotionally maybe maybe in their head the heart that's in their head they want to break out yeah but the heart 
you know, that's in their gut tells them, no, 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 we need the stability. We need the comfort. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, wow. that, yeah. that's, that's our episode. That's We're it guys. Sorry, dead air. Once there's more than two seconds of dead air, we call it. So, uh, that's it. Sorry. That's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I, th- I think that there's something interesting too about traditions and in, in that they're not permanent. Yes. Right. Like, uh, they, they do change over time and sometimes by design and sometimes just organically. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, I thought of that topic. So now you get to think of an example. <laughs> Go. Well, no, no, I, I have think, some in my head. I just, I don't want to, no, I think there's it. a lot of, I, no, I think there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why, um, you know, why the, those, those traditions can change and they, they could have to do with like, as an example, uh, I, I always, I'm going to go to like the, tr- the, the examples that are at most people probably are aware of, like when you buy a Christmas tree, right? So mm-hmm. there's, there's, that's a, you know, pretty prominent, prominent tradition that most people will, you know, move through. Well, you can, you know, at a certain point you can buy a live tree, right? And so as an example, let's say that live trees are in short supply and you can't get them. So then people will move towards, you know, the tradition was, Hey, we have a live tree inside our house and all this other stuff. You're still going to have a Christmas tree, but maybe it's going to be slightly different, So it doesn't necessarily it might be change. shorter. Well, it's, it might be artificial. <laughs> it might be all kinds of, you know, things like that. So I guess my point is that, you know, that, that, that's how things evolve though, is, you know, it could be a, the world changes around the tradition and then it becomes more difficult to, I don't want to say comply with that tradition, but to, to carry that tradition on. It wasn't, wasn't that one of the vignettes in Christmas vacation, that movie with Chevy chase. Yes. Where, you know, he grew up with his father going out to cut his own tree in the woods or the wild. Yes. But then he butchers it almost literally like, right. Like, everything goes wrong and i think there's even been episode uh, was it that 70s show had a little thing where they went to go cut their own tree i might be yeah. conflating things some work of fiction that's been yeah. modernized where like they got in trouble because they were trying to cut a tree on federal property like off the side of the interstate right some, something like that but that <laughs> that's something where it has to change right back way back in the day people probably cut their own out in the woods and nobody cared. There wasn't right. any monitoring or enforcement, maybe not even any laws. Yeah. But then laws change, technology changes and traditions yeah. change with it. Well, and, and that sort of brings up a, brings up sort of, I guess another like facet to this, which is that the traditions sort of contribute to a sense of comfort, you know, and, and belonging, like you're, you're doing something that everybody else is doing. Like you're, you know, you're part mm-hmm. of society, you're part of a group of some kind, whether that's the group is humanity or whether that the group is uh, fellow Christians or whether the, that group is whatever that group might be, you, you're, you're holding on to that and saying, uh, and actually, I think this is interesting. I just thought of this, but I think we see a lot of interesting traditions that people will continue in America, people who have immigrated to America and they sit, they hold on to their own culture. And so around holiday times or around other, just other things where traditions would be prominent, they, uh, they, they try to bring those in. I think that it keeps them, they feel like, uh, well, at least from what people have said, it's like, Hey, I want to keep connected to where we came from. I want to like stay grounded. I want to have that connection. If I know my family in this other country that I left is doing these traditions also, then I still feel connected to them in some way Yeah, because they're doing this at the same time I'm doing this. And, and I think that's a natural and necessary response. And probably every person, every family unit has a different threshold to what they want to do that for. Like, I think, you know, I'm thinking back to like arguments I've heard from people about when somebody comes to this country, they need to learn the language or they need to stop honoring their, their holidays yeah. and start right. honoring ours. Like there's people who want to prescribe that kind of stuff. And 
I, I see both sides. Um, I don't know that anybody who's arguing in favor of that, those drastic changes would also say that they need to Americanize their last name. Right. Right. Like I think even they have a line on that spectrum. It's just a yeah. different, a different line, a different uh, expectation. I don't know that it's reasonable. I'm not going to yeah. say it is or isn't, but it's like just by keeping your last name, you are keep, that's one of many ways to keep hold of right. your lineage, keep your connection to your past and to your family. Yes. I don't think it's the only, and I don't, I don't think that people should only have one, right? Like they should have as many as they want. Um, including like integrating, like you were saying, uh, their cultural heritage yeah, into holidays that might be in their land of living. Um, yeah. But even just celebrating it outright. Like I, I think there's uh, where I work, we traditionally <laughs> or <laughs> each, year after year, uh, you know, honor or recognize like the festival of lights. Um, yes. You know, I think prevalent, I believe it's in Indian cultures. Well, I think um, it's, uh, what's interesting, another part of that that's interesting going back to the, the first part that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, basically how things evolve, how things change, how traditions change. And what's what's interesting is what, you know, you get two people who immigrated to the United States or maybe even our first generation, you know, their parents immigrated and they're the first generation that's here in America, born in America, right? And, and then they go out and they marry someone else that may, might have, might have immigrated from a different country and they have their own. And then you've got this melding, melting or melding or, you know, whatever (laughs) mixing Mm -hmm. of these things. And their family is going to have these traditions that are like a hybrid of the two families and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, that, that, that's how things will over the years and over the generations. And then eventually at some point, somebody's going to be like, why did you, how, I don't understand where is this tied to? And then they have to go all the way back to that. I say, well, my mom was from this part of the country or my, this part of the world. My dad was from this part and here's how we got that. And it's something completely different, but it's their tradition. And if their children take it on, then it becomes, it becomes that. Right. It's almost um, like there could be a whole new field of ology around that of like yeah. traditionology or something. Right. Right. You think of like etymology is the study of how words change over time. Right. Right. Or the, you know, the study of evolution is the study of how species change over time. And it, and it all plays into that same mix of monitoring uh, how things are largely isolated. Yeah. Times periods of time where things are largely isolated and how they develop in isolation versus times where things come back together and they get mixed up and mingled. Right. Um, right. It's just, I don't know. It, I, I'm always fascinated and like to see opportunities where you can see, see and say as above, so below, right. The microcosm yes. and the macrocosm, like there's this idea of evolution change over time and how it applies everywhere. It, it, we see it in tradition. We see it in language. Yeah. Um, we see it in even religion, right? Like, I would, just briefly, I don't have to go deep into this, but religion or, you know, different faiths change over time. The ones right. that have stood the test of time sort of evolve with time. Yeah. Um, keeping what's core, core, right? They, not losing their identity per se, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and the, the other thing I was going to say is we're talking about that organic changing of traditions where it sort mm-hmm. of evolves and changes over time, not intentionally. It's not like it's not like those two people got married and said, hey, let's let's mix this tradition with this tradition and we'll have this tradition. You know, they they aren't intentionally right. sitting down and trying to do it. Or, um, or even if even if it's like a family tradition, they might intend to make a family tradition, but they don't intend to, you know convince their neighbors to do it or other right. people of their, you know, respective religious circles to sure. also do it. It just sort of, they re- people recognize it a good idea or they like it and they start doing it. Right. You know, and it grows on its own, so to speak. Well, and the thing, the other thing I was going to say about that is that we have the evolution of traditions based on 
uh, like I was saying about governmental changes, you were actually saying, hey, you can no longer go chop a tree down if it's on federal land. You know, you can't just go out mm-hmm. and chop down a tree. And in early America, it's like land was just land. There wasn't there wasn't federal property or anything like that. It's like you could go down and chop down a tree and it'd be fine, right? And mm-hmm. so what I was going to say is in, in terms of that, um, and actually this, I don't want to say this is like a hot button issue, but um, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about this with regard to like trying to make anybody you know, like make anybody mad about it or anything like that. But, you know, the government recently changed and allowed gay marriage. You know, the the government recently Mm -hmm. changed and said, this is now allowed. You're allowed to, the federal government in America said, you're allowed to marry someone of the same sex. And, you know, from a purely intellectual standpoint, not in the political realm or anything like that, that can change traditions. Because whereas it was illegal to do that, now we have you know, a more of a governmental acceptance of a family that has two fathers or two, I don't want to say two fathers, or two mothers, but two males or two females, um, that are married and they have adopted or other, or children otherwise. And, uh, and so that can play into it as well. So like a governmental change, my, my only reason for using that example is because it's a government could change the rules and the laws and going back, same thing as simple as, Hey, these are now federal lands. You can't go down and chop down your Christmas tree off of it. Right those, those things, um, can make changes and that those, those traditions have to bend to some of those things, those societal rules and, and, or laws, uh, unless you mm-hmm. don't care about the punishment. <laughs> well, and, and there's even a, like, I guess a direct way, like, you know, that, that seems like some indirect methods that governments can change traditions, but there's even direct ways, right. Where, um, there's been plenty of times where presidents have declared certain days national holidays. Yeah. Right. And all it takes for it to be even a traditional tradition is for that executive order or whatever it was to last across to the next generation. And now it is a tradition. So like celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day is a tradition. Right. Established by the government. Um, Right. Yeah. And it, and it just is like, I'm not trying to say it's a good thing or a bad thing. It just, yeah, we're, we're exploring what traditions are and how they work. And that seems to be one of right. the things is governments can not only change, but they can also establish traditions. Right. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and then I think also um, on another note, I, I, I sort of did a deep dive in my own brain. Uh, that's, that sounds scary, doesn't it? <laughs> you mean like Brian's uh, beverage corner? Yeah, it's like it's it I went into the deep dark corners of my mind and uh and <laughs> anyway, no, one of the I things the that I button. What's that? I got the sensor button ready. I got this. Yeah, exactly. Ready. Yeah, exactly. We might have to we uh, hey, we might get canceled. So we you go back to our cancel culture uh episode and tell us if we get canceled, right? Uh, <laughs> uh no, but the thing that I was going to say is that uh, I feel like uh, I feel like these have a, these play a role in creating memories as you like, for instance, if you mm-hmm. think about the times that you, you remember when you were growing up, the stories and the other things like that. Um, I feel like those are a lot of times are surrounding some kind of tradition and, or at least some kind of custom. If if we're going by our, our, definition of tradition that it has to go generation to generation. So at least there was a custom in your family. Maybe you haven't carried it on to make it a tradition, but some of those memories, as we, as we know, most memories are tied to something that is different, something that's emotional, something that like, for instance, uh, I'm having a hard time like getting this out, but one of the things that I, what's that? I can tell. Yeah. No, well, because there's a lot of thoughts going on in my deep, dark corners of my brain. That's why. Um, sure. So, no, the thing that I was going to say is that, I, and this is going to be a long roundabout way, uh, shocker for me to do a long roundabout way to get to something. But, um, you know, when 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 there's, uh, like, if you watch true crime, right, there's, the they, they have these people that are like, five years later, they're like, what were you doing on December? I don't want to say December. I'll say March 3rd, two thousand. 17. What were you doing on that day? And you might be able to go back. Maybe you're good at like, maybe you have notes. Maybe you have a something that says, oh, I had a meeting that day and I had, and maybe it's still in your calendar. But in terms of 
the finer details of what happened. If it was a ho-hum, nothing else happened out of the ordinary, you didn't do anything. It was just a usual day. You went, to, you got up, you went to work, came home, you had dinner. You're right. going to lose those okay. details. They, they go away. Mm-hmm. They're, they go out of your, so part of, part of the tradition stuff is go like, for instance, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, maybe you get together, you pull the table out and you put the leaf in it so that it's bigger. You put tablecloths down, you use cloth napkins, you use, I don't know, you, you, you do things that are different is all I'm saying. Maybe your family gets dressed up too. Maybe you like, Hey, we put on our Sunday best. What's that? Well, my point is that it's that going back to the beginning is all of that solidifies memories of those things. So it creates the memory of that event is that you're like, Oh, I remember the, my mom was wearing this. My dad was wearing this, right? Because it's something that your mom and dad maybe didn't normally do on a regular basis. So that's why you have the memory of it. And also it's charged with emotion. It's charged with, you know, the love and the feeling of being around your family or the anger and weirdness of being around your family. Who knows? Whatever emotion that is (laughs) being around your family, it's charged with that. So it solidifies that memory for you. And it's a special, quote unquote, special occasion. Another another way it solidifies that memory is with the time of year, right? The, right. Um, when when the weather changes and, and so forth, we associate those things together. And it calls to mind other things that happen around that same, quote, time. Yeah. Right? Like, um, but I think, I think there's a lot to that, that, you know, especially when we were more oral and less written in nature. Yes. Yeah. Tradition is another form of intergenerational memory, right? Like here's, here's how we do things as, as a family. We, we yeah. wash our hands before our meal. It's our yes. tradition. And it can be a lot easier to say, this is the way we do things and be consistent. They don't have to know. It doesn't matter if they know why they wash their hands. It matters that they wash their hands. Right. So um, that's probably a terrible example, but that kind of thing. Um, and he, they even talked about things being in the terms of oral tradition, right? And there yeah. being like things that are said, especially religious tr- traditions. It's done in such a way so that the story can be remembered year after year, that the yes. rules and the practices aren't forgotten uh, year after year because they're instilled, right? Yeah. Through repetition, through consistency. Um, well, and, and that goes back to what you were saying a minute ago about, for instance, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and or President's Day, because we know presidents, mm-hmm. we've, we've consolidated some of the presidents into one day where we, ha- we celebrate yeah. some birthdays. But it, it also, it, like, for instance, not even those things, but like Fourth of July, you know, it's something that we as Americans will celebrate because it was a monumental point in our history. It was, a, it was something that was the beginning of creating what we know now as America, as, as the United States. And it was, it was vital. You know, the mm-hmm. declaration of independence was our first thing back to England saying, we no longer want to be a part of you guys. And right. we're willing and to fight and die plenty, for that. And there's plenty of other countries who have a similar independence day. Sure. Just sure. on a different day. But yeah, no, but of course. It, the point's still being made. I just, that you're still making your point. I just want to remind our audience that we know that yes. we're not the only, I, I'm, we don't claim, yeah, we don't claim exclusivity on independence day. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> there, there are lots and lots of, actually, ironically speaking, there are a lot of other countries who declared independence and had to get away from England <laughs> because the British empire was very, very large at one point. Right. And mm. some of those countries still actually have ties back to, you know, the British empire, if you will, if mm-hmm. you will. If you <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how many people groups or whatever the right term is celebrate their independence from us, <laughs> like from our, from our government. That's, you know, lasted generations. Right. Um, I mean, have I we, know. I don't know. That's an interesting, we'd have to have a historian on for that. Teens. Right. It's, it's not, it's not a country, but Juneteenth. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. You know, the emancipation, like, Oh wow. 
again, I'm I'm looking for patterns of history, right? Like, right. So that that's we, a whole. We all we all become independent, like as as above, so below. That I would imagine many of us can still remember. We might not officially celebrate, but we can probably still remember when we moved out from our parents, right? Like that Independence Day. Right. Or we at least celebrate. I think the 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 thing baked into our culture today, still today, though it's much looser today, would be uh, weddings. Like it was only a handful of generations ago where that was their Independence Day when they moved yes. out from mom and dad, at least one of the genders, if not both. Yes. Um, when they got paired with a partner and were independent or much more independent yeah. from their parents. Well, that's interesting that you say got paired with because – the the tradition of ma- being married or the tradition of marriage has changed in that way in you know in the last 150 years is that you know the dowry and you you know that you would be you know you you're you're giving your daughter away to another man i mean and I, i'm not saying this to be patriarchal i'm just saying this historically speaking that the daughter was given away to the man and he was going to he was basically going to take over care of this woman so that the family is you know, and he and the I I correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody out there is that the man would trade for that? So he'd say, "Hey, I'm going to give you like two. I'm mean, some livestock. Yeah. You give me your daughter, and we make a trade, and I'll take over the care of your daughter, and you guys get this livestock. So there's this livelihood thing that you guys have, and then I get to you know theoretically I get to procreate, right? So I get to actually create a create. That's that's create, what they called it. <laughs> <laughs> this is hey, this is a G-rated podcast. I can't I can't go any further than that. But all I'm saying is that was the whole point is hey, I need to yeah. I need to expand, I need to build my own family and my own, you know, then that that's how it goes through. Well, n- now obviously that's not in some cultures there still is that arranged marriage. You know, they're still they still comply with or they still follow that tradition of arranged marriage. It's just in America we've gotten away from that. Uh, I would think for the most part, I'm pretty sure there's probably still people in America who do that, but um, for the most part, it's, it's not, not something that's built in as much as it was even 150 or 200 years ago. Yeah. There, there are many modern dramas that are all about, you know, the parents not approving of the, the offspring's choice. Right. You know, the, yes. But, uh, yeah, let's see. Well, and so I'll, I, the other thing I'll say is like, cause we've got a couple minutes left here <clears throat> is one of the articles that we're, and I'm going to post this article in the show notes, but one of the articles, uh, that we were sort of queuing off of a little bit is, um, was an article that was just entitled, uh, seven reasons why traditions are so important. And, uh, and we've talked about most of them, uh, like the, the seven bullet points that this author has in here. Um, let's see, who is it? Mr. Uh, Sonnenberg, Frank Sonnenberg wrote this article. Yeah. Sounds like and, an important name. Yeah, it does. Um, but the one thing it says here is, that was interesting is um, tra- tra- one of them is traditions reinforce or tradition reinforces values such as freedom, faith, integrity, a good education personal responsibility, a strong work ethic, and the value of being selfless. And mm. I think, I think that that's interesting to me, the strong work ethic. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really figure that one out. Um, I guess it's just, Hey, we're in our family. We work hard. Like we, we believe in, you know, we believe in working and, or in our group, we, we believe in doing that. So it's almost like pressure within a group to, to continue that work ethic. Um, and that the value of being selfless was interesting to me because it, since you're part of a larger group, uh, it, you know, because as, by, by its very nature, a tradition is not going to be just you by yourself. It's going to be some type mm-hmm. of a larger group. There's going to be other people involved. And so that sense of being, or the value of being selfless is, Hey, you know, like, I don't really get this, but this is what we do. And it's, you know, even then it can still be comforting for you to follow those traditions even if you're um, you don't really understand why or you do it or whatever. I know when 
I know when kids and when you're young, you don't understand a lot of times. Why are we, why do we go over to grandma's house to do this? Well, I don't understand. What are we doing? <laughs> and then you just yeah. do it year after year and you're like, okay, well that's just what we do. Okay. I, I get it. And then. <laughs> well, the, it's almost by virtue of being a routine, a habit that becomes comforting. It's the familiar, right? right. You, by that time you've developed a relationship with your grandmother. You've, you've got fond memories of, you know, those items in that house and yeah, you know, those smells and whatever else. So it, that establishes the tradition within the person. But I do hear the, the value of recognizing or, or instilling the value of being a part of something larger than yourself. Right. Like, yeah, you, um, you, you, there's this necessary initial step of selflessness in adopting the tradition or in, in letting the tradition adopt you or I don't know exactly what the phrasing is there, but where, where it becomes that habit or that routine for yourself, like you have to set yourself and your own interests and your own concerns aside when you don't understand why you do that you're doing the thing or you don't feel like doing the thing. Yeah. Right. But there's the payoff of after you've done it enough and it becomes a tradition for yourself then you you do have that feeling of being a part of something larger than yourself. Yeah. And you can't really explain that feeling and convince someone to go get that feeling. You just sort of have to force them through it so they can feel the feeling. Yeah. And get, feel get the value, you know. Um Yeah, I feel like I, I in in my own personal life, I feel like having well, here's here's how I judge whether or not something is tradition worthy <laughs> basically mm-hmm. if it's something that you want to continue every year is if you go through like for and I'm I'm going to use the the holiday time like Christmas and New Year's time if you go through that time and you don't do that thing and then you miss it you go ah oh, we didn't do it that year that's eh. like you have a little bit of like maybe melancholy because of it or like sadness because you didn't do that then I feel like that's one of those things that you're like, Hey, you know what? We got to do that. That's, that's fun. And everybody likes it. And we get, you know, it's, we got to make that part of our tradition or part of our custom. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, remains to be seen when your kids grow up, if they, if they continue that or not, but, um, sure. but yeah, well, it's, I think thanks to our conversation and research, I've, I've changed my idea of that from what you described. Um, where it's like, hey, this was good. We should do this again. To something more like, hey, this was good. I think we we should do this every time. Or I would be disappointed if those who come after us don't also experience this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it's 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 so good that it it should be done indefinitely, even after I'm gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and. I don't know. Maybe it's also plays into the fact that I'm not big on traditions. Yeah. Um, so that to me, it has to be a bigger deal to be worthy of tradition. I'm also yeah big on novelty. So traditions therefore are diminished. Yeah. Because of that. Um, you're talking, you're, you're, I think you're, you're secretly talking about Brian's beverage corner, right? Where you're like, I really want this to become something that happens <laughs> forever. No, I was not even that was not even in my mind, but I think that is an interesting application of what I'm saying. I I, I feel like I'm being heard <laughs> when <laughs> when you take what I say and realize learn more about me and what what does and doesn't matter to me um in other contexts. Like I think that just proves out what I'm saying is true and you you're you're understanding me. I, right. I feel heard. <laughs> and respected and valued. I, thank you, Brian. You you could even continue with Brian's beverage corner and just knowing that you know how I feel is enough for me. Yes. Well, that's good. I think that's uh I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover and maybe even a little bit more. I don't know. But yeah, you covered my heart and respect. <laughs> Well, so if our audience wants to tell us, how about they tell us about their traditions or whether or not we missed something or whether or not they uh, want, you know, more of Brian's Beverage Corner, um, they can reach us at help yourself 
at brynick.com. It's help yourself at B-R-Y-N-I-C.com. And you can also check us out on Instagram, help yourself the podcast. It's at help yourself the podcast. And I do mostly food there. We do mostly food there. But uh but yeah. It's hard to take pictures of philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. If I'm ever near a uh, a big statue of the thinker, then I'll take a picture of that and I'll post it. But other than that, I don't know what else to <laughs> what else to do. <laughs> so yeah. That's good. All right. Well, go out and make some traditions and memories. There. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Help Yourself, you can follow on Instagram at Help Yourself the Podcast. And to contact Brian and Nick, email helpyourself at brynick.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>